Well, here I am with the lights on the Christmas tree twinkling and it's it's late, late, well, early, early, I suppose, in the morning. And the uh, it's a beautiful day. And where I'm here in our Christmas house, I have my dog up my side, rumbling around. And I'm just thinking a little about the year. It's been a brutal year in many ways for me because of the battles I've had personally with cancer and with moving from London. Uh, but um, actually for the whole world. And uh, we've seen the emergence of huge changes. I would say actually the emergence of a class of political gods to dominate the world stage. And many of them not the kind of gods that we would like to see I mean, the big figures in, in my universe now, um, who are they? I mean, I can name them. Uh, Donald Trump, Bashar al-Assad, Morsi of Egypt, Boris Johnson of Britain, Macron of France, Putin of Russia, Merkel of Germany. Uh, these are my big beasts. You might have a few more, but we live in a new world dominated by these heavyweights, these big, big, big figures. Some of them cleave to the light, and some of them cleave to the darkness, but they're big, they're mighty. And this is our new political universe. It's a long time since we had major figures right across the world stage of huge status, no matter what you think of them, huge status. There are these monsters roaming our earth. And meanwhile, this year, this year, as we come to this Christmas, the rights of man have gone out of the window. The rights of mankind. Yeah, I mean, I, I always believed in pain. Uh, you remember who used to write, the, the, the guy who taught, wrote the original rights of man, Tom Paine. Um, he's a great, he was a great guy. But, all those concepts have been thrown away. And for me, I'm not talking about the... For me, it boils down to one incident in particular. I'm not talking so much about the, the thousands of refugees through that failed state, Libya or Syria, uh, all the misery in Iraq, and oh, all the suffering and all the all the repression in Hong Kong by the Chinese and the Ouija's. What are, what are they, what are, what's happened to them? A million people in prison camps? Why are, not, why are we not boycotting all Chinese goods? A million Muslims in prison camps. And yet the Arab world is in a love affair with China. Whilst China imprisons a million Muslims. I mean, the Belt and Road Project. 
Kuwait is buying it to it hugely, investing oh, countless millions into into that whole project. Um, the, the, the Iraqis are selling their soul for the Chinese Belt and Road, Road project, and the Chinese sure build crappy roads. You've got to see only see what they've done in Africa. Um, countries have mortgaged themselves for up to the hilt for that. Um, but um, but yeah, and the Arab world is buying into China, whilst China imprisons a million Muslims in prison camps. But that's not the seminal moment for me. The seminal moment was the obscene murder of my friend Jamal Khashoggi, well, my family friend, for goodness sake. I knew him well. Many of my family were very close to him. My daughter worked with him. The obscene murder of Jamal Khashoggi by Prince Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia. That was, that has to have been, the ultimate obscenity, the ultimate wrong, the ultimate symbol standing as, as, as the seminal moment at which the, uh, hatred reached new peaks. And the level of hatred and xenophobia and raw racism in today's world, it's reached new heights. And meanwhile, the political elite have been toothless to a man as these, these gods emerge. As I mean, the political elite are pathetic. It's, it's almost embarrassing to see the U.S. Democrats with their childish impeachment of the man they love to hate. I mean, that's not the way to get him. Get your own act together. Have a strong candidate. Push him or her forward. But they can't do that. Rather, they, they go through this farce that humiliates America on the world stage and does nothing. Does nothing but strengthen the man they love to hate. Uh, meanwhile, the British Remainers, who couldn't stop arguing amongst themselves when they had the power to stop Brexit. Um, and now, uh, now in some sort of miserable uh, moment of self-reflection um, and sadness, well, we have to get on with life. It's, it's, you had your chance, boys. You had your chance. And now we've just got to get on with... Um, but but actually, that's not the worst of it. Brexit is not the worst of it. There are worse things than that on the world stage. I mean, for me, again, personally, the biggest issue has been what I regard as the new peaks and levels of disloyalty in the world. And, um, and yeah, loyalty is the greatest quality. And we've seen it on the international stage. Um, what disloyalty when Donald Trump betrayed the Kurds. I mean, that was the climax. That was the, the zenith of disloyalty and the nadir of, 
uh, uh, dignity of, of, of all things that really we cared about in terms of honor. There is such a thing as honor. Um, and Donald Trump's betrayal of the Kurds was atrocious. But everywhere, disloyalty seems to be rearing its ugly head. Even my personal life, where some of the friends I counted on for years, I in particular, I, I was astonished by the disloyalty of one of my uh, special Syrian former friends. Um, I'm not going to mention his name, but one of the big figures on the stage. Uh, just disloyal. And um, how horribly dishonorable. Um, everywhere, 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 disloyalty. You see disloyalty in people's relationships. So where then is the sunshine? Where, with the increased catastrophe in Libya, the unending misery of Iraq and Yemen, oh, thank God Yemen may be turning a corner, but... Where does the sun shine? Where, where is the good news? Well, the good news is that chaos is on the retreat. My father's great friend, Manny Shinwell, my father was Manny Shinwell's PPS, Parliamentary Private Secretary, and at that era where you didn't have to be an MP to be a PPS. Ridiculous now, you, they change the system. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Manny Shinwell was one of the great politicians of uh, Britain in the post-war era, and he believed that chaos was the great enemy. And I've heard others say this, chaos is the opposite of war. The Syrian friend who betrayed me, uh, he used to say that. Um, he, 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 would, he would say that Chaos is the opposite of, of war, and that was the true opposite of peace, uh, because um, because chaos was, was ultimate evil. Uh, chaos is dark, that they could cope with war, they could cope with peace, but they couldn't cope with chaos in Syria. Um, and um, war has clarity, peace has clarity chaos does not. We've had three years of parliamentary chaos in Britain uh, when the nation has been leaderless. Um, not, that, not that I'm any great advocate of Boris, but um, an end to chaos. The world has been in upheaval everywhere, and now we're getting stabilization after years of upheaval. Which means what? Peace and on earth and goodwill toward mankind? No, not exactly, not certainly instantly, but at least we have a stab at it now if there's less chaos everywhere. So it's positive. It's not perfect, but it's positive. And it's encouraging, isn't it, to see the world waking up about climate change, uh, Europe talking about an environmental tax, uh, which would hit old China. Um, that was interesting. I I spoke to my uh, extended family around the dinner table last night about what they would do if they had absolute power. 
and my wife said she'd um, she'd end FGM female female genital mutilation and um, or female circumcision if you like and um, which is interesting and and what a lovely thought that that should end uh, my daughter-in-law Bernadetta uh, she said um, well, she'd provide sir, provide uh, contraception for every woman in the world um, my my daughter I shouldn't say this one she was joking of course but there we go she said she'd nuke China <laughs> wipe them out I think uh, I think that was a joke I hope that was a joke anyway um, but uh, yeah, there is, and and um, somebody said I'm not sure whether it was Leah or it might have been Love Day. Actually, anyway, after after her um, little jokey remark, the uh, she said uh, yeah, we need to do something about the environment, um, and so we do. And people really care. We're all united on that. That's a blessing. It brings the world together, that fight against Mr. Do you know what the the family said? I'd bought an immense ham for Christmas and um and and plus the usual sausages and some Cornish variety of sausage called a fiddly diddler or something, an enormous fat thing that you slice and fry. Um but, um, and the turkey for the Christmas dinner table. Anyway, the kids said, let's, next year, let's have less meat. Um, let's, uh, Joseph started it. Let's have less meat. Let's, uh, um, but, yeah, let, let's uh, have, instead, let's have a, a vegetarian Christmas lunch. And uh, there's a thought. I mean, um, so we'll probably do it. Lorraine Pascal has a lovely, lovely recipe for a sort of en croute vegetarian pie, huge Christmas pie that is actually quite delicious. I tried it once. So why don't we have a go? We'll have a go. I mean, um, it's going to be a better world. It is going to be a better world. And 2020 has always been the beginning of a better tomorrow. I think so. I'm really encouraged. I think that this is the time when the world changes for the better. Take heart and believe in it. Peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind this Christmas. Amen to that.